This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the screen and you love the green, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Happy New Year, friend. We're cocked, locked, and ready to rock into 2019 for some weed and some video game shenanigans. We're talking games we played over the holidays, including Red Dead Redemption, Monster Hunter Ultimate, Diablo 3 Switch Edition, and Dead Cells. Leafly drops the most searched-for cannabis strains since Canada went legal. Resident Evil 2 and Kingdom Hearts, along with other games, are on the horizon in January, and we here at the Purple Dungeon Squid talk smoking bucket list for 2019 for all the places we'd love to huff a bone in the new year. We'll also be settling in for our smoke sesh, so stick around for that because it's going to be a good, a good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, he's wearing pajamas with no butt flap, Dank Dan. Andy, I reckon we herd these space cattle into Demdar pens and rustle us up some fine herb. Ah, space cattle. That's what I feel like right now, my man. I feel like a fine space bovine settling in for a, an evening retreat in the Purple Dungeon Squid Lair. How are you, buddy? Been a while. Yeah, if we were in the life cycle of a, a fine space cattle, we've been fattened up for slaughter over, uh, you know, just a generous holiday. To answer your question, Andy, I am fine. And we just, we whiffed it on December, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we got ready. We were we were mm-hmm. ready to go. We were ready Boys. to record. And yes. then the holidays happened and uh, all hell broke loose. I mean, to be to be fair, I was uh, I was gone for the majority of the month. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was uh, that was a challenge in and of itself for recording. But yep. yes, dear listener, we do apologize for our extenuated absence. Absence? Is that a... Absence. absence? The new scented fragrance for your <laughs> home and toilet. Absence. Absence. Most, most specifically for your toilet, though. Put it right in there. Absence sounds like a new five-minute workout machine. Absence sounds like a new metal band from 2006. Okay, good improv. Moving on. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, man. But uh, yeah, how was your holiday? Pretty good. Pretty good. It was, it was tremendous. Uh, assaulted at all angles by my, my wonderful families, and and served uh, all kinds of turkeys and ham and uh, you know uh, the accoutrement of chocolate and that goes with it. And uh, there's always one dish that befuddles me. I got to be honest this year. It's it's the mushroom or not mushroom. That would be wild. Uh, the marshmallow covered yam casserole. Have you ever encountered this in the wild? Yeah, yeah. No, but he serves that. It's like if you lost a bet to your five-year-old and they got to pick one of the, the dishes. Yeah. No, like that's, yams and marshmallows. That's not, that's not 
Yeah, that's ill-advised. So, I'm sorry, who served you up this? I mean, not to not to throw anybody under the bus, but who you served know, not this to, to you? Not to denigrate, because I know this is like, a, I think, a Southern cuisine classic, loved by many. There are those at the table that this is what they wait for, uh, my sweet, sweet lady included. But, what? Uh, she, yeah, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's in there. It's in like... Uh, um, a cookbook of some kind. I can't. I can't think of a good. You southern. would have to burn off my taste buds before I would willingly subject myself to eating yam covered in marshmallow. It's like you, you said these sweet potatoes. Oh my, not sweet enough. Let's get some marshmallow mellows on it. Let's like it looks get like some pure, it looks like a unadulterated joke. gelatin and sugar. Get it in there. Mm, mm. Just that the, that earthy sweetness. Like, back I could, with I could a maybe get behind sweet. if you want sweeter sweet potatoes. Maybe sprinkle some brown sugar on there. A little brown you know, I've, sugar. I've actually right. I've had some sweet potato fries. Um, thinking back on it, that were covered in coconut oil, brown sugar, and a little bit of cayenne pepper. And let me tell you, mm. nice treat. But marshmallows, is, get the fuck out of here. The mouth is watering. Save those marshmallows for your cocoa. And but I have to give it to the provider of this meal. She she was a fantastic hostess, and that turkey was like a comet of moistness that crash landed in my mouth so props the white meat was moister than your average dark meat fella she really she really this was the year of the moist turkey i have to Mm. say i must say because i've had a lot of dry christmas and thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and new year's turkeys in fact we had a lot of turkeys this year but i gotta be Mm. honest like from my mother to my mother-in-law to mm-hmm. my uh, extended family, like I had, I had four separate turkeys this holiday break, and I have to oh. tell you, every single one of them moist as all get out. I think that there's a serious turkey moistness thing going on this year. Someone's pumping okay. our turkeys full of moist. I'd like a to know who it is. Quadrant of moistened turkeys. Yeah, there's no business. No one has any business drying out a turkey because yeah, I don't know about you, man. I have almost choked to death on a turkey that suffered horribly uh, because it just it immediately dries out your mouth and you try to swallow but for not you're no. being gar- garroted by this turkey it's revenge from beyond the grave uh, I mean, and I maybe revenge but really just kind of sad you go you go to great lengths to raise and then of course kill this animal and then if you if you if you cook it poorly <laughs> you know <laughs> you've really done it a disservice like can you imagine mm-hmm. being killed and eaten but it wasn't that good <laughs> Yeah, if I'm ever murdered uh, for food, I hope that someone prepares me like with an, uh, a nice sprig of thyme and yeah. uh, rubs butter under, uh, let's call it my skin. Yeah, I hope man. that that's how it goes down. Slow Deglaze that shit. We want a Dan Maybe Borgignon. a little, yeah. a little <laughs> that's pretty good. A little sous vide. Sous vide? Nah, sous vide's too fancy. You want to you cook it all. You want to you be hands on with that. That's too mechanical. All right. I like where you've drawn the line there. Yep. No, very important. important. All right. Very yeah. important how we respect and cook our people. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Listen, Dan, if anybody ever kills me and cooks me for food, I hope it's you. Uh, you're going You're going immediately in, as a filler into some spanakopita with some feta on the left and spinach on the right. That, like, that's how I envision you. <laughs> that's how I'd want to go. We're, we're on the same right? wavelength. Isn't it a great 2019 so far? With we're a in nice such synchronicity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be great with a nice Chianti. Anyhow, Dan, be. I assume you played some video games over the holiday break and maybe even uh, chuffed a bone or two. Oh, dig. Did I ever? Yeah, I got a new vaporizer that I want to gush about for a few moments here. But um, uh, do tell me, did you uh, did you get any holiday smoking done? Oh, you're all rigged up. Yeah, I did. You know, it's 
the perfect time to abscond with your loved one uh, for a short Christmas walk, enjoy the silence of the night air, and uh, huff down a bone and oh, come yeah. back jo- jollier and more resplendent than when you left. And people say, what is that glow? And you can say, uh, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. You know, I'm on a bit of a journey right now because I am... Um, I... So I, I had a little vertigo that like came on suddenly back in September. It's been a long while, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. it's 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 been putting a bit of a damper on my smoking habits because mm-hmm. I find that you know there's a there's a great equilibrium point between where I'm super relaxed and it actually helps my vertigo. And if I go a little bit too deep on a on a really high THC strain, it can it can create a little bit of a little bit of anxiety for me. So it right now, can alter your combobulation. You're combobulated. Yeah. You don't want to be discombobulated, and that's that's a delicate mix. Well, it's true. And it's funny because like, you know, people go through these gyrations sometimes with smoking because, you know, especially regular smokers, people who consume cannabis on the regular, it's like there's there's people who can just, they, their tolerance is way up and they can just, they can smoke whatever and enjoy whatever. And I was one of those people, right? Um, you know, I never really had to think about, am I smoking, you know, 26% or 16%? Do I need to measure my dose? Like I liked, anyone who knows me knows I like to microdose. It's a, it's a great mm-hmm. way to experience the nuances of a strain. But, you know, mm-hmm. I could do a bong load of, you know, 26% THC cannabis and be totally fine. Like it was no issue. Now finding myself having to manage that a little bit just because mm-hmm. of this little bit of uh, you know this little bit of kind of vertigo stuff I've got going on, um, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because I'm being really selective about the cannabis I'm consuming. So actually, I've been smoking a lot of. Um, a lot of a strain called Campfire. It's by Alta V up here in Canada, uh, grown by Medrelief. I actually don't know. It's a, it's a really high CBD strain, very low THC strain. Um, quite nice, and I actually got some here to sample a little bit later throughout the smoke break. But that's been the that's oh. been the lion's share of my smoking over the holidays, and I've been really enjoying it in uh, in the most <laughs> the most uh, lavish of fashions, as in in a bathtub. Just installed and <laughs> just installed a new bathtub in my upstairs bathroom. So I've been enjoying right. the heck out of that thing. Get some rose petals in there. Oh dim, wow! Dim the lights. Get a little uh, right. camp, campfire going and uh, good to go with the switch. You just like get that hair braided. Get some scented oils into the tub and then make it count. You know, I am I'm like you and boy, we need to get some more cred. We need to get like uh, my sweet lady's a, a bong load boss. She'll she'll crush it like no one's business. But I'm like you. I want to be sent a like a filigreed invitation from my herb that invites me into like a, a, a garden or a glade. Um, you know, there's a chair that swings wistfully in the breeze, and that's what yeah. I want to do. I want someone to rub peppermint on my feet when I'm done. You know? Yeah, yeah. Boy, we're the worst. <laughs> 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 just the worst kind of people. The, um, and it occurred to me, and I don't know, and this is not an experiment that I want to undertake, but as I was sitting there in the bath playing Switch, had a little mm-hmm. Monster Hunter on the go the other day, I wondered to myself, yeah. if I dropped the Switch in the bathtub, would the uh, would the electric load in that battery be enough to terminate my life? I hope not. No, no. You need, you need quite a bit of capacitance. Um, to really roast yourself, uh, you know, anything that isn't plugged into the wall is not going to do the trick. It's just going to short out uh, almost immediately. Um, to really, to really get the job done, you need a toaster. A, a fun fact: a toaster is a great way to test uh, the load on any electrical system. So, because it has such a high capacitance, it's just kind of one big capacitor. So, if you bought, drop that sucker into uh, into the bath, you'll be uh, sous vide in no time. A nice tender, succulent turkey. Wow. All right. 
it's getting too real over here at the Purple Dungeon Squid. <laughs> That's getting, right. Getting too real. Getting too real. So never, never make toaster strudels in the tub. Like this is this is a good this is a good time to drop that on all y'all because after we just talked about the herb in the tub, that seems I was thinking about you know it'd be great syrup ego bath because that's how I'm getting down in the tub. But one slip and uh, you're being served for Thanksgiving. Yes, that's true. That's true. So um, public public service announcement: don't toast things while you bathe. Um, Dan, we have a heartwarming holiday story to share, and we do. Uh, you know, I think maybe you can go ahead and share it. Because I take the lead. Mm, why don't you go ahead? Andy, your heart has grown three times, just like the Grinch, which um, I hear is actually very painful. But uh, that aside, it does hurt. I, you know, uh, it does. Andy and I uh, uh, joined together on the holidays to celebrate the mirth of the year. Uh, both of our fine, sweet ladies were in, in 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 audience, and we had some cheeses and played some board games and uh, spoke about leather-bound books, as we as we are are as want one to does. do. Yeah, that's right. And you slid me a box. And you said Merry Christmas, and we don't we don't always exchange gifts. Um, sometimes we you know send each other a winky text. That's kind of the extent of it, or just a thumbs up. But you slid, slid me this box, and if our listeners uh, remember this, uh, as I pulled open the box, I looked inside, and what it was was a switch, Nintendo Switch, and, and my mind reels back to the switch that you you left on the airplane. On the, on the way to Amsterdam. And I had been, let's say, uh, playfully mocking you about it for the better part of three Re- months. Relentlessly, uh, insidiously mocking the fact that I would never receive this switch back. In fact, he went so far as to, and this is this is quite something, because there is a Penny Arcade comic that came out. Was that a recent one? Came out in a few was. weeks ago, right? Well, Penny I, Arcade I, commis- comic. I commissioned it weeks ago, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you must have. It was great. It was really uncanny, because uh, you guys might know I lost this switch back in September on uh, on a flight to Amsterdam and Dan was like was all over it man just let it go there's literally zero hope that you are receiving the switch and I was like no but I left 300 euros in there and he's like oh yeah you're definitely not you're definitely for not the return re- postage <laughs> yeah, they yeah. could just use that for the return postage yeah, that's the yeah, that's great. the re- that's the reward money they just have to bring it all back no but um what the best part about this whole altercation is that I got a letter in uh, October stating that they had found my switch but I let it go until December 19th or whenever we extended gifts and so every week every other week there was another conversation about man it's never you're literally never getting that switch back it's not happening and, and um, you kept such a great secret and let me tell you a great surprise is only a great surprise if you feel betrayed by everyone you love so uh, andy kept it sure. a secret and you're you're notoriously bad at keeping secrets That's and then yeah. uh, uh my sweet lady not only kept it a secret, but corralled me gently away from buying a switch for us, which I sort of had my eyes on. Um, and she's notoriously bad at secret keeping, so I was totally in the dark from my closest loved ones. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was really good. It was a great uh, it was a great goof played on you. And you know you you got a switch out of it in the end, but we were all laughing at you, not with you. It was great. That's right. So uh, the keying back to that moment, I'm looking into that switch, and I, and I'm feeling the joy and the warmth. And I go, is is this the switch? from the plane you got back you're like yeah i'm like so this switch is and you're like 50 percent spite i'm like 50 percent spite you're like yeah and i'm like 
I love it. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you know, the Switch can can be a great companion to you. Every time you look at it, you can either remember to keep the faith or remember that you're a big old douche canoe. One of the Big two. old canoes dans la douche. Mm-hmm. Canoes dans la douche. Yes, indeed. Um well then, Danny, why don't we jump on into this episode? Purple Dungeon Squid New Year Edition is brought to you by Dan. Do you know who this is brought to our fair oh, readers by? It's brought to you by Switches Return from Amsterdam and Weed and Video Games. Weed and Video Games. Thank you, friends, for being there through thick and thin in uh, scented baths and electrical malfunctions. Purple mm-hmm. Dungeon Squid is also brought to you by watermelons made entirely of seeds. Are you tired of that delicious, fleshy mass in the way between your seeds? Try all seed watermelons. <laughs> uh, I think they're called pomegranates. Uh, brought to you by Extra Dry Turkeys. Looking to choke an enemy or a friend? Please try Extra Dry Turkeys for that hacking, coughing, do you have any more water fun? Yes. Also useful if you're looking to secure a will. Um, brought to you by Dog Red Bull. Does your dog not have that get up and go it used to? Hit it with a bodacious dog Red Bull, now available in uh, Sweet Canine Bone and Christmas Dry Turkey. Yes, lovely. Finally brought to you by Non-Stick Tires. (laughs) (laughs) Insurance premiums too low? Do yourself a favor and pick up Non-Stick Tires. You'll be flying around the roads in no time. Bald, bald, bald. Yeah, well... Uh, yep, that's about all. Um, yeah, boy. So, Andy, uh, there was a moment there, you may have heard it, where uh, I'm talking about dog Red Bull, and I'm like, like an alien, I'm like, what do dogs like? <laughs> what do dogs like again? I go, hamburgers? No, it's not hamburgers. No, no, it isn't indeed. It isn't indeed. Uh, what do I normally say here? It's, Happy New Year. <laughs> mm, busy sidewalks. City sidewalks. Dude, I'm so bummed that Christmas is over. It's always like so such a heavy time of year for me when the season has come to an end. Good riddance. I mean, there's this new year to look forward to, which is great. But at the same time, Christmas, man. What do you mean good riddance, Scrooge? Good riddance. I want uh, uh, three days uh, of Christmas, not the 30 we get. When they ramp it up on October 31st, and they're just like, mm, Kringle. It's too much for me. I want like three days of heavy Christmas. I want the carols. I want the the, the bright lights. I want the eggnog. I want the crudding down the Christmas tree. I want the presents. And then I want it banished because I've been overfed. I've sat uh, pretty idle for too long. It's just, it's time to be done. I'm ready to start to crush it into January. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I want I want more mirth. I want uh, I want Christmas to start on October 1st. That's when the pre-Christmas happens. It's like the pre-drink yes. to the party. You know, you gotta Ugh. you gotta get the you gotta get a little bit of holiday cheer in there. Then you've got you know the the months leading up to Christmas where there's precedingly more uh, Christmas carols everywhere you go, including your Uber. By the way, if you took an Uber over the holiday season and they didn't have Christmas music playing, that's a one-star review. Just saying. <laughs> DJ Khaled jingles them bells. <laughs> we the best Christmas. Let me ask you, like, for seriousness, uh, Uber ride, music or no music? Oh, it's um, tough because, uh, you know, music is like pizza. It's always good, but sometimes there's shit on that pizza and it's not always good. Mm. So um, I, I'm i into a, a silent or a low 
a low volume ride unless there's four of you one of you's in the front seat and you get to sort of command uh I, the uh, the tracks I, we i was in a great uber for new year's where the guy had like a thousand classic rock songs and uh and i could skip them at will uh, he played hair of the dog by nazareth nice uh, fantastic great yeah i want like uh i want like it's it's terrible because it's at the whim of what i want at the moment and they have no way of knowing that. But if it's not there, I, I feel a little put off. So it's <laughs> it's it's decidedly the dead silence of the cat. <laughs> well, and like sometimes it's 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 really a crapshoot because sometimes I want to get in an Uber and have someone you know be a little chatty. Sometimes I don't. It depends on my state of mind. So I feel like if you're an Uber driver, your best bet is a polite and courteous hello with no further follow up. I think that that's like that's that's the best. And then if but, but sometimes I want to get into a banter. Who knows, Dan? You know, I, I'd be. A, I think the moral of the story here is I would be a terrible Uber driver. You toss it out there and see what the response is. And if it's a one-word response, you know, it's not chat o'clock. Uh, if they come back to you with a fascinating anecdote about a bridge in Denver, you know, it's time to get down with that wordplay. Right. Uh, Music-wise, in contrast to the black the black SUV, uh, I had a ride with my sweet sweet lady on the first step of New Year's to our first location, and we were treated to some French hip-hop um, played at medium volume. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that, and was, that, that landed well or not well? It was fascinating for the first 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we had a really bad Uber in Vegas then, one time where um, you know we were excited and ready and to go out somewhere to enjoy ourselves for an evening after a couple drinks. And, uh, and the gentleman in the car thought it was important to play for whom the bell tolls followed by the cranberries so that uh that that was not not my ideal situation um but it was what it was it was what it was dan it was what it was yes indeed indeed well you lost me there for a second i did i did lose you i uh, got the old doot 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 yeah. the terrifying hang up yes indeed so what did you play over the holidays my man did you get any uh, get any gaming in yeah, yeah. No, I went deep on Red Dead Online, um, got a squad together and, and rambled around those environs, talking a bit, a little bit about that uh, down downstream. Um, yeah, we can get uh, into Red Dead Redemption because I still want to hear plenty about it. I've not picked it up yet. Um, I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to dive into it. Although, you know, I the hype wasn't enough to make me pull the trigger. And I still think I'm probably too on the fence to, to go ahead and, and pull the shoot. But we'll talk about it in a second. Um, did you get down with anything else? or? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, got, uh, I got some time with an interesting free-to-play uh, game on PS4 called Prominence Poker, which is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, a poker online game you know that's essentially free to play with some freemium elements uh you get a stack of chips and generally if you run out you can either wait for it slowly to build up or you can cash in you build an avatar and i just enjoy poker so you know i've been playing that uh with some friends uh, i just i have such a hard i have a hard time with poker because like for me if we're not playing for money it feels like the stakes the stakes aren't compelling enough to justify the gameplay that I'm subjecting myself to. And the other thing with poker is that it's a lot of odds, right? It's a lot of odds play and also a lot of reading your opponents, which is what makes it a really interesting card game. Um, but I find when it's like, you know, uh, not in person, the like looking at a 
bunch of computer avatars takes away that element of reading people, which I think is what makes it compelling in the first place. Like, how did, did they get it, around it, that somehow in this game, or what? What's oh, the well? So some of the nuances of, of of poker, and I'm by no means a master, is um, reading the betting pattern is a huge skill to to pick up as a bet as a poker player. So this game would very much focus on the betting because that's that's something that's going on, right? You're reading their bets. Are they trying to buy a hand by bluffing out? Uh, did they bet big early? Did they bet pre-flop? You know, it, you can learn, you get information by people's bets and you're conveying information with your own bets. And what's cool about this is while you're kind of right, you know, you're not seeing those facial cues and the tonality and the voice and the body language. What's cool is when you, your cards are face down and when you look at your cards by holding L2, the avatar looks at their cards. So you know when they're looking at their cards, um, you know, and the game holds tension in a really great way. Depending on how the the, the hand goes, um, that gives you different reputation points for how you play. Um, you know, you get small one for blinding in, which is you're playing the hand. If you fold wisely at the end of the hand, uh, you get points for being clairvoyant, as in you folded your losing hand. Um, you know, oh, if you cool. show down someone, you go head to head all in. There's there's big reputation bonuses, and what I like too is. Uh, it get, you get uh, there's uh, something that I believe called is mucking it, which is you've won the hand by making everyone fold, um, and you have the option to show or not show your cards. And if you show your cards, you get a big reputation boost because that's like a power move. You're showing either you were bluffing or you're not bluffing, so it gives them more uh, information. And as you gain reputation bonuses, you get loot boxes in the game which is either clothing or chips or accoutrement. Uh, you can have items at the table like a cigar or a, a jazz cigarette or you know something like that. Uh, they also have, I noticed some some dudes have guns at the table. I'm like, that's a little extreme. I don't think they'd allow that in Atlantic City. I completely Atlantic disagree. City, but, I was just thinking to myself, oh. you, were, you were mentioning the whole hold L2 to look at your cards and then your avatar does the same thing. I would want to, I think the only way, because this sounds great, but not def still definitely not for me. That being said, if you took like uh, famous video game characters and gave them like, how can I put this? I found some sort of really neat AI way to have them give away some tells, you know, automatically. I don't know, maybe strap your face into a VR headset so that you're now portraying this through a video game character. I can just imagine being inside the body of Crash Bandicoot. And like people watching my gameplay and starting to understand that every time I raise one of my enormous eyebrows, I've got you know a good hand of cards. I think that that would be that would probably be the tipping point for me. Other than that, no bueno. You're describing a stress dream right now. I I really hate everything you just said. <laughs> um, but I like I like. I want to be theory, master chief. Yeah, Master Chief. Every time, you know, every time I've got a great See, hand of cards. When he hits you in the face with a yes. sticky grenade, you that's know it. he's got the bullets. That's it. When I when I when my when my plasma bursts, that's that's when I got the nuts. That's it. That's when he got the nuts. Well, that so that's something I played. Uh, I also got really deep into Dead Cells. Uh, yeah. By, by Mr. Andy over there. Boy, is this game wonderful. Um, it it really it really balances so many uh, great aspects of a good roguelike. Um, it rewards both uh, efficiency and haste. They got those uh, as you progress through the different biomes. There's 17 biomes in total, which have bran branching paths that 
um, converge at key points. Um, you know, a multitude of interesting enemies and uh, gear setups uh, that really make a lot of variance in the gameplay. So I, I really, really love it. And it's one of these games that lies to you. So there's this concept of cells you pick up as up this upgrade material that lets you unlock weapons and give yourself new powers. And this, the I think he's called the Cell Collector. He tells you you can't progress um, until you've used all your cells. And there's a seemingly locked door. So you think, oh, I got to use all my cells rather than sort of let it ride um, to use them later for uh, different means. But if you attack the door twice, it opens. Oh, I didn't know continue. that at all. Oh, man. And I'm like, when I, when I figured that out, I'm like, oh, this changes everything. Because you can keep your cells... Um, to spend all with the Soul Forge guy that forges, um, upgrades the drop rate of better weapons, and you can use m more of them. So it's interesting. There's a little bit of a conceit. Uh, I love the story that's sort of peppered around the game. Um, it kind of hints at well, what's the game going is, on. The game is entirely atmospheric, right? Like in terms yes. of in terms of actually revealing a plot line or a storyline, you know, it doesn't do that much to its benefit because mm -hmm. it gives you enough interesting, let's call it vignettes, right? There's little there's little moments, little rooms you can go into and read a little bit of the lore, the history, or what's going on in that space. It's got a feel of like I think the best feel I could describe would be like Walking Dead. Right, what happened here? Kind of deal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that bit of mystery does bleed in from the edges, but then there's never a there's never a reveal. There's never a oh, the story just kind of keeps keeps kind of bringing you along and revealing small truths that don't give you an entire uh, you know picture of the puzzle. And and I I really like that because it lets you lets you enjoy the roguelike gameplay that 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 Metroidvania kind of rhythm that you get into without any break in that action. And then have just enough of a, a story running on looping in the back of your mind uh, for it to be for it to be weighty and significant. So yeah, it's for it's it's flavor. a really yeah it's a neat way to do world building, um, which is yeah unconventional but but works I think really well. Making making a game hard like Dead Cells is, and I think it's that medium to to a medium high hardness. Um, while, yeah, I'd say uh, so. In the in the space of it being a roguelike. It lets it be a little bit less punishing because you get when you get sent back to the start that's like part of the mechanic you don't feel like you've failed you feel like you've you got what you got out of the run and you get sent back and you learn something every time and you do you kind of kind of learn something it, it's so I mean, daunting you typically when you get, learn you're a dumbass <laughs> right. it's usually what i learn anyway when you get to a new stage and there's new enemies, I can't tell you the deep fear that I've I experienced of like having the longest run that I've done so far and a set of bad guys whose move sets I don't know. Well, that's uh, that's actually know. the that's actually the hardest part of a game like this, and and it's prevalent in Dark Souls too, right? You 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 come into an area where you know that your best weapon in almost any situation in this game is going to be repetition, is going to be learning those attack patterns. And yeah, I mean, it can inspire a little bit of terror. I, I gotta be honest, it actually frustrates me sometimes. I sometimes wish there was a larger barrier, uh, or sorry, uh, how can I put it, larger um, margin for error, right? 
as in, you know, you come into a new area and they just give you a little bit more of an inclination of what you're what you're getting into in terms of the enemy's attack patterns before hitting you in the face with it and erasing yeah, you want, an you want hour and a little bit more. Well, I just like, like at some point, moving. you know, I, I think my biggest frustration was when I got to the ramparts level and you know, I I'd, I'd yeah. been in this game for you know, this specific run for I don't know an hour or maybe 40 minutes or something like that. It was a significant period of time. And I came out and just was immediately decimated by an enemy. And, you know, after I'd been decimated, I knew how to deal with it, but that didn't give me back my 40 minutes. So I just, I wanted a little <laughs> bit more warning. Um, and then fine, if I, if I if I mistake what's about to happen or if I miscalculate, that's part of the game. That's the exciting part of it. But just blindly making me guess what are they going to do is is not my, my idea of fun. Andy, ramparts, six minutes. That's what you want. That's what you want to shoot for. Also, you know, something that I advise for when you're just getting started in Dark Souls, or Dark Souls, holy, Dead Cells, is to make sure you're using um, a great weapon called Frost Blast. And Frost oh, Blast freezing things is, is great. great because when you're trying to learn uh, a bad guy's uh, mob's patterns, you know, maybe attack him, maybe do a roll, and then say, wait right there and freeze him and give yourself a second to absorb what's just happened, to understand what's going on, because it sort of slows down that that loop. Um, the same thing with the, the ice grenade. If you can get the variant that slows the enemy's movement for uh, like a period of time after they thaw out, you can kind of get, it's like you're on tutorial mode with that bad guy. You can see what they what they do. Um, that was a big uh, help for me sort of learning the ropes on that one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from and, and I'm familiar with those weapons. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's it's truthfully a small gripe, even though I made it sound like a big one. Um, but I just, something about Dead Cells makes me want to explore every corridor. You know, I just, I want to go all over the whole map. I like exploring the whole map of the of the level. And sometimes that doesn't really serve you because it takes a good amount of time. Your uh, your benefits are somewhat mitigated um, by, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say mitigated. Your, your, the benefits are, are diminishing, right? Just depending on how many times you've run through the map. And yeah, I, I want to, I want to, not have to worry so much about coming into a new area and seeing it for a short period of time before being sent back to the beginning because I am going to explore the whole damn map yet again. But maybe that's just a maybe that's just a you know maybe that's just a flaw in the way that I'm playing through the game. It, it's you know it's just different ways of doing it. Like a, a a rush style has the benefit of you're gonna pick up more gold and more cells um, from the, the time unlock rooms if you can yeah. get those marks. The two and the eight minute mark. Um, the longer the longer kill guys method has its own benefits as well. It's safer. You're gar- going to be guaranteed to pick up all the items and all this the power up scrolls. Um, so so it's kind of uh, a cost benefit. I I really have taken to using the swift sword, which um, once you get a speed boost, all the hits with that sword give you a um, a critical hit. And if you combine that something like something with the the I think it's the called the 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 fire. I forget what it's called. Anyway, you, you throw a torch and it lights the ground, so you never really have to stop running. Um, right. A lot of the other uh, weapons will make you take a pause in your animation. Um, these these are a great way to just keep the keep your guy moving. You can get a lot of ground covered uh, and hit those those doors. Something else, and I know this isn't necessarily like a tip session for dead cells, but for those of you, you that are that are going to tackle this guy, the thing I can advise the best is don't unlock 
every item that you can. Oh, then I was going to say the same into, thing. <laughs> yeah, they're dropped into the randomization pool. And a good way around this is, you know, upgrade your health potions, um, the items at the top that are like health potions and restock and things like that, and then mutations at the bottom because um, those will not be part of the randomization. Uh, and then you can pick and choose the weapons that you really want to see. And a great way to know what weapons you want is something I discovered a couple days into playing this is the daily challenge mode where you can take part in a daily challenge and uh, it lets you, it like throws a bunch of items at you that won't be unlocked in your in your game and you get, get in a feel for the different modes of play um, and see enemies that you absolutely have not seen before. And oh, some I didn't know about are, this. Oh, so brutal! So the and the first the first uh, one you beat, and then you have a boss at the end. It's kind of like uh, instead of gold, you get bonus points. Uh, you have a timer, and you gotta get through the level and beat the boss to to beat that challenge. And you get a every five of those that you conquer, you get it unlocks a special item. I think the first day it uh, you do one, and you get a special item. Then every five, it seems like, and it's very cool because it's a totally different mode of gameplay, and uh, it sort of keeps you coming back on the daily. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Yeah, no, it's uh, I haven't uh, haven't tried that mode yet. I will have to give it a go. But yeah, Dead Cells has been a has been a staple for me for a little while. Um, I've I've actually so moving on to a couple other games. I picked up Diablo three uh, for the Switch. Ooh. Yeah, I picked that up uh, pretty much on launch, and. <clears throat> You know, I was, I was, I think we spoke about this in a previous podcast, but I was pretty sure I wasn't going to do that, <laughs> you know, so, uh, went and ate my words on that one, but it totally worth it. So <laughs> I had a, I had a long plane ride coming up. I was going to be flying with a colleague and I thought to myself, Hey, you know, maybe it'd be a decent time for us to jam out on some switch and Diablo seemed like a good option. It's a great option. It's a great option for on the go. Um, it's a game now, you know, I mean, in terms of subsequently playing it with, other people doing drop-in obviously you've got hot seat multiplayer which can be a bit of a problem if you've got a high level character and you're just trying to you know have another guy come in and play a character of his own so that can be a bit of an issue admittedly but just for the purpose of playing on the go there was it was really fun having you know just my switch unit pulling off one of the joy con and using that which they've done a really good job of mapping controls to uh, despite the fact that Diablo has all of the trappings of the uh, you know the action RPG, including inventory and menus and skill builds and you know multiple attack abilities and all the things that um, you know create the delicious complexity of that game, they've done a great job mapping it to the you know four buttons and a and a you know right trigger, left trigger, rear trigger, and uh, and joystick of a Joy-Con. I'm really impressed by the way that they translated that over. So yeah, Diablo 3 was an easy an easy thumbs up for me after I had played it for a little while. Um, it's it's definitely going to be in the rotation for time immemorial, which is good I because they're not releasing another Diablo anytime soon. They're they're buying their time, but you do have a phone, right? You can play that mobile game they're putting out. Boy, but uh no. I was I was wondering about that Andy and I'm glad you said because I sometimes even when I'm playing it on the PS4, I'm like these controller bindings there's a lot going on so I, I applaud them for being able to feather that in successfully yeah and I mean you know it's cool that they also included the uh, you have the necromancer in there which was was fun to toy around with um, it's, it's a pretty neat class and, and adds some some new stuff um, I actually was playing I think I was playing the 
mage, whatever wizard, sorcerer, whatever it is, and my friend was playing uh, was playing the necromancer, and um, pretty fun, pretty fun combination. Lots of magic. Uh, there was admittedly a little bit of a slowdown in the frame rate, uh, especially when there was lots sure. of spells and enemies flying around. Um, so you know, that, but that kind of was to be expected, especially playing in in undocked mode, mobily on an airplane with uh, with three percent battery. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> not not an ideal not an ideal time for processing power. No kidding, Andy. Can we talk Mario Kart Eight? Um, boy, I mean, oldie but a goodie. But yeah, for sure, we can talk Mario Kart Eight. I was Mario Kart 8. I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of standard fun. Like we're going to drive the carts around. I know what it is. I was blown away about how uh, varied and crazy these tracks get. Uh, You're going upside down. You're going underwater. You're jumping across large chasms. It's got some old favorites um, from some uh, old editions on the Game Boy Advance, the DS, the 64, the Super Nintendo, Um, you know, and like, something like 10 or 12 sorry if i i'm not hitting that right number right of of uh uh grand prix and like 48 characters this guy is a monster yeah you know there's no question mario kart um eight ultimate uh is it ultimate i can't even remember at this point but you know it came out originally on the came out originally on the wii u um and then when it came out as one of the launch titles i think for um for switch instant buy if you're a switch owner in fact the reason you have one is because i bought it twice it's that good and just bought it twice i bought it twice at full price because i of course lost my switch uh, on the airplane and uh you didn't you just lent it to the nation that's right lent it to well the nation of uh of the netherlands but hey he was counting don't do this to me (laughs) don't reveal my ignorance (laughs) that's okay but um but you know it's 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 so good that not only did I buy it a second time when I purchased another Switch, I bought it at full price, Dan. I bought it at $89. That's Canadian, Ooh. friends. That's how much it costs up here in Canada. And a pre-owned copy of the same title was going for $84. So there's that, no that 3 $4 save. Yeah, it's not a it's not a it's not a title that you're going to find in the bargain bin. It's a, it's, it's a title that, you know, you're going to have on your switch long after the switch is the, the, uh, the new hot Nintendo system, you know? However, if you do find one on, on the plane, it's guaranteed to have that in the pouch. And, you know, let me say what I love about this game, guaranteed girlfriend friendly. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, we've popped it in a couple times and, you know, just experience the joys of Mario Kart. And I didn't know this about my, my newfound switch. It does have motion controls, so by default, it has the turning um, configured to sort of react to your left and right hand movements on the on the the, the Joy-Con. I went ahead and immediately disabled that, but I was yes. able to see. Well, and also it's got the uh, this the same um, uh, holdover from the Wii, where you shake the uh, the remote, the Joy-Con, and you you jump into a super boost when you go off the ramp. So oh say what I didn't oh yeah yeah you got it no that's that's key that's that plus the power slide those are those are key abilities my friend um, powered slide is old school I was sure. on that like crazy but oh, I'm yeah. busting out uh, 150 cc without this uh, this ramp boost so that's gonna that's gonna do me a solid thanks it's gonna there. help it's gonna help listen online Tip play Andy. is next level so one of our uh, one of our listeners and friends um, Bo I played a couple games with him on uh, this is a while back but played a couple games with him on uh, on online multi multiplayer and online multiplayer first and foremost is great it's really well done um really intuitive and easy to use and 
damn, <laughs> are there good Mario Kart players in this game? Uh, you know, you you go from feeling pretty damn good after having played, you know, a week of Mario Kart, uh, you know, conquered all the Grand Prix, got your gold medals, blah, blah, blah. You get online multiplayer going and all of a sudden you are a scrub, a scrub of all scrubs. It's uh, It's quite disheartening, but, you know, pretty cool. Uh, you know, online is this weird wild west for a lot of these competitive games. It's like wandering into online in Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat and just getting the tainting of a lifetime. And you go, that was a nice place to visit. I'd hate to live there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing like being made to feel utterly inferior. But uh, hey, it happens. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Nice. Into the mic. Into the mic. That's <laughs> pro podcasting, friends. Pro um, podcasting. By the way, I have to concede something. You know, uh, a few weeks, sorry, a few months ago, uh, I met up with Dan. We were doing a podcast on site at, uh, at his place. And I had forgotten my mic in um, at home about an hour and a half away. So I went down to Best Buy, picked myself up a Yeti, a Yeti Blue, whatever. Yeah, Yeti Blue. And at the time, Dan had said, don't buy that mic, Andy. It's a terrible microphone. And uh, I ignored him long after the return policy had waned. A classic, a classic Andy move. Classic Dan move. No, I dug over. In. Give some anal- analysis, some advice, some loving care. Dan, that's good. I'm going to go ahead and ignore you immediately. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was the hill that I chose to die on. I said to Dan, <laughs> Dan, this is the this is the the standard Pre-eminent. for uh, for podcasting. I don't think you understand. Uh, you might want to sit down over there, friend, because the Yeti, whatever the hell, blue <laughs> is uh, is a is a piece future of future sponsor. Future sponsor. Future sponsor. No, no. Future future. Uh, future target for some hate mail because honestly this is the worst damn as if this is the, ever the worst microphone i've ever used in anything Andy, if there's something i know about you is you have sweet dulcet tones one i'm i'm jealous of on the daily and the yeti does not do it any justice no it doesn't the yeti, pick up your sweet radio baritone no the yeti turns me into a trebly shit so real nasally and as an added bonus it's roughly seven feet long uh and you're a traveling man so it takes up you know 36 percent of your carry-on capacity <laughs> i needed to have a bigger microphone than you dan i think we've gone over yeah, it this. needed to be <laughs> bigger to be fuzzier larger. and more of a yeti yes more yeti like um i got into some monster hunter generations ultimate if that's not a mouthful i don't know what is uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate is the ultimate Monster Hunter experience. And I say that having played Monster Hunter World a good bit. Monster Hunter World is a great game. Um, but Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate for the uh, for the Switch. And I did review... This is, God, this is confusing. Monster Hunter Generations... I reviewed for the 3DS as one of our first inaugural episodes, I think, Dan. Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate comes with a graphics upgrade, and I think it takes the monsters that you can hunt, the total up from about 60 to 100 monsters. So there so are many monsters. There are 100 big hunt monsters to get after in this game. Um, there's an endless, infinite array of weapons to craft and to kill things with. It's mm-hmm. Monster Hunter, so if you hate that, you're going to hate this. But for my money, the amount of content that's jammed into this game means that I could literally probably play Monster Hunter, literally probably, play Monster Hunter for the rest of my days. 
<laughs> for the rest of my days and still probably not see all the content. Best part is, is that the absolutely horrific uh, controls that are present on the 3DS version of this mm -hmm, game mm -hmm. are vastly mm -hmm. better with Joy-Con. Uh, in fact, playing in undocked mode on the train and pulling the joy the Joy Cons off to have one in each hand was like the most comfortable Monster Hunter experience I've ever had. Right? It was just mm. just delicious. So this version looks great, looks way better. Um, tastes it's got great. tastes great. Lots of content, huge amount of content, big swords of you know whatever, and God, ah, so many weapons. So many it weapons. Sounds like a, a monster and and weapon buffet. Man, it's you know. What can I say? I'm an addict for lots of content. If you tell me your game is the definitive version with all of the bells and whistles, all of the content released, hundreds and thousands of hours of stuff to do, I may only enjoy 12 hours of that. But the fact that there's an endless buffet on offering makes the game an instant buy for me. And that's exactly what this is. It's an endless buffet. Yeah, should you decide to play it all, it's there. And I don't know if you're like me, Andy, but the second that your game has one DLC, I'm not buying it because I want I either want it to be vanilla and that's it, or I want, like you said, that ultimate pack. I want the game of the year. I want the everything included. If there's three DLCs that I have to buy the base and then three others, it reduces the chance of me buying to like 1.5%. Right. It's almost nothing. Are you I, like that? Is that something well, you suffer from? I, I, listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of perpetual improvement. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things that I love about MMOs like World of Warcraft, etc., is that the game's never the same twice. Now, I very yes. rarely, um, sorry, I should I should quantify that. Over a period of time, it will change. New things will when be added. Return, when you return to your old friend, he's he's gained some qualities. He now uh, has an MBA in in um, uh, Panda Islands and whatnot. And I guess my comment is not specifically aimed necessarily at MMORPGs. Sure. There might be the exception, but I mean, I get, I get your, your vibe. Well, Continue. I just mean, all I mean to say is this, I'm impressed in a game that continues to develop content. And in many cases, it's, it's a really good thing for a game. I mean, No Man's Sky had a, a real moment in the sun and a real second, second, uh, wind, um, a couple months ago because of continued development on that game. Anytime I hear continued development on the game and I see it actually put into practice, I get excited about that. In fact, mm -hmm, there's a mm -hmm. game that I just picked up. Uh, it's called uh, Inquisitor. It's set in the 40K universe um, and uh, and is kind of like a you know, Diablo action RPG style game in space in that setting. If you like it, it's great. Um, but, you know, that game has had some negative reviews because of its limited scope. However, there's a big content patch on the horizon. Uh, you know, there's some stuff that's been added recently. And that creates a lot of value uh, to attract people who are late to the game like myself similarly warframe you know has just launched on um launched on switch a little while ago and that game i think you and i played three four years ago totally mm -hmm. different game now totally different game new new environments new modes of play again almost an endless content buffet in as much as that game is concerned and um you know I know that if that game stayed stagnant, there's zero chance I would return. Now, how does that translate into what you just asked? Well, yeah, for me, it's disheartening to see that there's two DLCs that I have to buy separately from the game because I know 
that there's an Ultimate Edition coming around the corner. I've been conditioned by the PlayStation Store to know that the second I buy those two freaking games, especially if I haven't already run through the entire vanilla copy of the game, (laughs) if I've just bought the game and two DLC, the odds that I don't even make it to the DLC before the Ultimate Edition is released are very high. That's right. And because that that Ultimate Edition is lurking in the shadows, ready to hit that purchase button. And it's like, here I am. Look upon me in despair. And the Ultimate Edition, God help you, if you release it and you don't give me an opportunity to upgrade from the version that I'm at, Screw you, man. Like, that's uh, that's yeah. a shit move. Because I got to be honest. A pox on both your houses. Yeah, like The Witcher did that. You know, I bought The Witcher. Um, I was late to the party. Witcher 3 bought it. Ultimate Collector's Edition came out like two weeks after. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no problem. I'll just upgrade. No, now I have to buy the DLC separately, which is the same price as buying the freaking Collector's Edition. Which, like, I get it. Fine. It's not really a loss on my part. But now this thing is available where I just bought something that's now irrelevant. It's just... I don't know. It's a shitty Andy, move. Trade him a trade him a Mario Kart. <laughs> well, yeah. It just it makes me feel, you know, <laughs> reluctant to buy a game until it's into late cycle. Now, maybe that's by design. Maybe they want to create that kind of space where some people will. I, I don't. I don't know why you would. I don't know why you would do that intentionally. It doesn't seem like a good business move. So yeah, the anxiety around a collector's edition coming down the pipe can often. Uh, keep me off of buying DLC. And if there's more than one that's been released or if there's one released and the second one's coming out in three months and there's continued development planned, yeah, I'm probably going to hold off until that cycle's come to a close. I'm with you. They 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 have this great solution for that that's ultimately become a problem. That's the season pass. Hey, you know, at, at Hop, do you want to make sure you're going to get all the content and all the juicy stuff and the pre-order born bonus? Get that season pass. And that seems like such a great idea until DLC and stuff that came out started to be... And even a lot of times, core games that you pick up that you're expecting to be good then end up being trash. Uh, uh, Shadows of War is one of those games where you know the the season pass was a real train wreck because the game wasn't good uh, or had huge problems or and pay to win mechanics that were hidden uh, similar to to Battlefront. So I don't know about you, but you know, whereas at at one time I was gonna if I liked the the game like the even the idea of the game, there's a good chance I'm gonna put down the extra fifteen or twenty bucks for the season's pass. And now I'm like gun shy about pre-ordering at all uh unless i know the game's a, a home run like a, a kingdom hearts 3 um or resident evil remastered or the uh the aforementioned uh, red dead that's bold man i i'm still uh, i'm still on the fence as to whether or not kingdom hearts will actually be released this month like it's like <laughs> 20 days away you've been getting gaslit gaslit yeah man i i catfished <laughs> Catfish. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's not very consumer friendly. You know, in general, you're probably going to get screwed at some point um, in the in the cycle of a game with constant perennial releases. I wish it could just be kept kind of simple, right? Like, you know, if you're going to release DLC, release the DLC and make it easy for me to upgrade from wherever I am in the chain. If I loved your game so much that I bought the DLC while I was still actively playing it and then Red Dead Redemption came out and I left for three months and you released another DLC and you want me to come back? Just let me buy that DLC. Don't also release like, you know, two more DLCs and then an expansion of the year or a game of the year edition and not allow me to upgrade into that thing. Just just make it real simple. 
Real simple. Yeah, and they'd, they'd have to get smart about, you know, how you know how they know who's bought what and that's all on the table but you're right a nice graceful let me bump up to the premium membership when when it's time like don't make me sign up as a new member with you know the the uh, introduction fees it's just it's no it's no worky it no, don't worky not good monster hunter generations ultimate though god is that ever a mouthful and so is the game and i feel real Why, good about it don't put the game in your mouth andy don't put oh no uh, <laughs> you put the game in delicious. your mouth and then it felt good fantastic uh, yes. I yes. ate a game, and I liked it. All right, what uh, what do you say we talk about Red Dead Redemption 2 before... Or do you want to hit the smoke sash first? What do you think? Oh, that's that's risky. I don't know. I'm up, You want to toss a coin? Uh, ding! Andy, executive decision. Go for it. Bong. Yeah, it's going to be bong. bong. Let's go. Bong. Ba-dong. Smoke sash. Smoke sesh, smoke sesh. Hey, hey, Danny, you ready for the first smoke sesh of 2019? I have my smoke sesh vest on, and it's the best. I got my smoke sesh. I'm ready to rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someday our kids are going to hear this recording, and they're going to think we're real cool, man. Uh, none of those are true. Listen, if Brad Pitt's kids don't think he's cool, then uh, what, what chance do we have? Is that a thing? Yeah, like, I mean, if you hear most uh, stars talking about their kids, they're like, Daddy's in a movie, and they're like, shut up, more apple juice. Ah, gotcha. Well, Brad Pitt, you know, I'm looking for a new daddy. I, fun uh, Brad Pitt fact, he's, like, pretty highly face-blind in the sense that he has trouble recognizing faces, even of people that he knows fairly well. So in the industry, uh, in the early years, he got this reputation of being a giant asshole because crew members and folks that have worked with him on, you know, movies for years or multiple movies, he would, you know, act like he was meeting them for the first time. Um, which is a uh, little side note to that a uh, little show trick is no matter who you meet, you say, it's great to see you because that covers both new and, uh, and old friends anyway. So he actually, kind of came out as being face blind because he was really starting to have a, this trash reputation and uh, kind of cleared the way for it. If I don't remember your face, don't take it personally. It's literally a part of my brain that doesn't work great. Is face blind like a thing? I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a special area of your brain that uh, recognizes oh, yeah. and recalls faces. Wow. And actually people, you'll you hear people talk about it, you know, I, I'm great with faces, bad with names. You know, they're uh, better with facial recognition than they are with uh, lingual recall. Um, prosopagnosia yeah, so yeah that would be an extreme case usually brought on by either uh, local brain damage uh, or an abnormal development of that section of the brain there's a famous case of a, of a, uh, a lawyer no it's just a guy I forget what he did anyway he, he had uh, a really bad version of this uh, due to a uh, trauma and uh, he once tried to put a coat on his wife because he thought she was a coat rack <laughs> oh. Just total. Not only could not uh, recognize like object and facial recognitions were se- severely impaired, and she's like, she's like, Bob, that's me. It's like, sorry, Linda, I thought you were a coat rack. Oh my, that is awful. 
Well, Brad smoke Pitt. Sesh. Hope you're okay. <laughs> let's smoke sesh yeah. this thing. I've got some, and I think we both went the, uh, let's call it the soft route, the peppermint lotion route, and, uh, mm-hmm. and picked mm-hmm. up some CBD dominant or at least one-to-one ratio CBD cannabis. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, they're in the same neighborhood, buddy, and I'm I'm dealing with uh, just about that. Now, did you want to did you want to go first? I think that makes sense. Yeah, so I have here some uh, Campfire by Alta V. Alta V is one of the uh, licensed producer brands up here in Canada. They're owned by Med. Or sorry, that's a Med Relief brand. Med Relief is owned by Aurora. Oh, and Campfire smells super good. Um, so it's it's a strain that I've been enjoying, as I said, over the holidays. Um, you know, the nugs are tiny, tiny little nugs, uh, which is okay. They're popcorn-y, tiny little nugs. Um, you know, very frosty, which is nice. Uh, a nice, um, rich green, little bit of, a uh, little bit of, how can I put this? Like an olivey, an olivey condition to the, to the tips. Let me... Crush some. Olivey like greasy or olivey like green? No, olivey green. Mm-hmm. And uh, smells like... I haven't really spent a lot of time sniffing this bad boy. Um, mm. And I know you to be a nug sniffer, so that's strange. Yeah, you know, I... Like, there's there's the... there's It's it's very... Like, for me, it's, it's a little floral. Mm-hmm. A little bit floral and... Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like floral and like the final note is peanut butter. Yeah. Like a nice something unique in the back there. A nice sweet kind of peanut butter uh, on the back end. Nothing too Mm -hmm. nothing too stanky. Just like a nice sweet peanut note at the end of a uh, of a delightful little floral nose session. Um, I'm going to peanut is what my first grade teacher used to call me. Sweet peanut. I was a special lad. Nice. Yep. Well, do you want to go ahead yeah. and read this thing while I vape down on this? I've got a nice new vape. It is a uh, nice heavy-duty OEM vape here. Um, and boy, it pulls like a trucker. One second. All right. Uh, read by Jeremy Irons, back by No Demand. Campfire is one of Alta Vi's mildest strains of cannabis <laughs> in terms of THC content. This hybrid is grown hand-trim and hang-dried indoors, while its terpene profile, consisting of mycerine, alpha and beta pinene, and guaylol, is what gives its unique floral aroma. Altavi reports campfire to have effects that include happiness, uplift and or focus and is available in one 3.5 and 7 gram dried flower varieties very nice jeremy oh so pleasurable just a just a really beautiful really beautiful exhale and i actually didn't that's that's great that it has that little floral note in there uh, noted because yeah it definitely is important um it's 3.6 to 4.6 thc this is super gentle, low. A gentle friend. Really gentle. CBD is 5 to 8%, right? Uh, and, you know, just honestly, it cures what ails you. For me, this is the... This is a... Go ahead. <laughs> this is a strain that likes prolonged eye contact, <laughs> um, soft carrots, and, you know, a good mulled wine. Yeah, man. I mean, like, like let, let me just, let me level with you. I like... Level with me. I like consuming cannabis at a pace... Where I can chuff down a full joint, blunt, palm wrap, 
uh, vape chamber, bong load, whatever, whatever, you know, my desired method is and be able to go back in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? I don't really yeah. want, yeah. I shouldn't say don't really want, there's some, there's definitely occasions there's when time I want, for that. there's time for that. Yeah. But on a Tuesday, you know, I want a nice, you know, evening cup of chamomile tea. And that's what campfire is, man. It represents just some supreme relaxation. I feel extremely just centered right now. Um, and I, you know, I really would really, I'd really would, <laughs> I'd really like to know <laughs> the lineage of this strain. Actually, I have no clue um, what it is. So maybe I'll do I a little dive a little here. Bit, one sec. I think they're a little bit secretive about it. And if I can, not to, and how do you say their name? Is it Altavi? It's Altavi, Jeremy. Altavi. <laughs> I'm looking on um, OCS's website here. Mm -hmm. Da da da. Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. is it? Campfire. Are you mm -hmm. stalking it? Yes, you are. You naughty Ontario. Stop. Stop. Oh Red boy. Flag. Yep. No. Uh. Nope. Safety word. Yeah. It will not tell me the the lineage of the strain. That's okay. What do you got today, my friend? Well, homie, working on uh, Canna Farms CBD Critical Mass. Ooh. Um, it's my first time dipping dipping my toes into this particular aquifer. And uh, I'm going to start just by getting a little bit of nose on some of the, the ground material. Oh, yeah. Peppery. This, this guy's a, a peppery devil with a nice, fresh finish on the, the nose. No debutante. linger at all. That's right. Um, and if you were to be holding the, uh, one of these nugs in your hand, you would notice that it's popcorn-y. You would notice that it's got uh, like a squishy, fudgy mass. And you would get the fact that it is white, light, light green, um, with just a little bit of brown hairs intermingled in there. And I can see a gentle glistening in there. And it, it's, you know, the pepper is followed by the freshness, and it seems kind of straightforward and gentle. And I, I like I like a mycerine peppery uh, peppery jack. I don't know if you're into it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hunkalunking down on this trunkalunka. Let's see what we got here. Yeah, great. A little these scat all, jazz all there for your life. Yeah, these are all technical terms. Technical terms. Um, what are you smoking yeah, out of, my right. friend? Got a bong? Um, just uh, this is my this is my my teal my teal bong here that uh, that you hooked me up with. It has a nice little uh, ice catcher if you're into that down downstream. Um, and uh, Ooh, yeah. three little percolators in into the business. Oh, the tri ruffle perk bad boy. Yeah, that thing looks awesome. And you know the the um, the ah, percolation is such a beautiful thing to watch. And I wish I could speak it into existence on a podcast. But um, watching three little ruffle perks just billow smoke up into uh, into a fine mouth chamber. Mm. Yes, wow. please. This guy is spicy in the mouth. You really get that pepper right up into my nose, actually. Nice. And uh, now, now into my eyes. And I know that sounds pretty severe, but it's it's fairly gentle. But boy, is it letting itself be known. Um, I'm pretty impressed with what they've done here. That's a really unique flavor that sort of busts all over, and uh, totally clean finish. There's no ling linger. I got a little earthiness in the mouth on the finish, but uh, boy, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. There's well, no stank in that dank. CBD Critical Mass by Dynafem Seeds is a breeding collaboration. 
in search of truly medicinal properties. According to Dynafem, this strain came out of a genetic mashup between the in-house critical mass and an undisclosed strain from CBD crew. CBD critical mass has a 1 to 1 CBD THC ratio. Oh, so we're right in the same uh, ballpark there, Danny boy. Um, and generally more pronounced indica dominant effects. And I've noticed that about my strain also. Uh, very relaxing, very down tempo. This genetic cross is known to yield an abundant harvest. Uh, Dynafem recommends utilizing this strain for anorexia, insomnia, muscle pain, and depression. Um, Cool. Very neat. So a truly medicinal strain. I don't think you need any appetite stimulation after the holiday, Dan, but apparently it's it's on order for you if you need it. Fantastic. I'm uh, I'm currently rocking a 17-hour fast right now, so I'm going to ignore all those uh, insinuations that I should eat and then just drink some water and maybe suck on a penny. Yeah, it's a good thing uh, for you to be fasting right now because when I sous vide you a little later, I'm going to want to make sure your innards are clean. I don't know. Gross. Oh, that's a cannibal, cannibal joke. Mm. Went awry. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> All right. So this this missionary is uh, wandering through the woods, uh, the jungles of Brazil, and um, is captured by a, a tribe of cannibals. And uh, they're, uh, they're starting to wrestle this guy into a pot of boiling water. And, and as they do... Uh, one of the tribesmen runs up and he goes, hey, 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 you can't cook cook that missionary like that. You can't boil that guy. And the guy's like, why? He's like, that one's a fryer. <laughs> uh, yes, I too like missionary. <laughs> Aparicium 89 says, I really enjoy this strain. I was worried about the one-to-one ratio because I don't do well with THC, but this is fine. Relaxing, but not locking. Significant mood uplift, too. Fine to try day or night. Does a good job treating my rheumatoid arthritis and quieting my anxiety. Daytime use helps me get chores done and gives me a positive outlook. Nighttime use helps me relax. Great for movies. Well. Sincerely, your grandmother. Sincerely, let's all have a group hug. And then talk about some video games. Dan, what's up with Red Dead Redemption 2? Sell me on this thing. Because I just, I've literally picked up this, I've picked up this game three times at EB and then bought something else. I don't know what it is. I've got a mental block around it. I don't feel like playing in the old, the old west, the wild west, whatever, the ancient west, the west to my chest. Ancient west. The wet west, (laughs) heavy west. Okay. Kanye uh, West, Kanye West, and the we Gon- the Ganja yep. shooters. Yeah, yes, we sir. was right there. Um, Wagons West. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two. I mean, we're a little late to the punch because it's it's been it's been about a month. Uh, but we're gonna talk about it. West Side Story. The, the, Deal it out. The one that's I wish I wish you wouldn't. Uh, the Western Wall. But uh, this game is one thing, if not anything else, and that's uncompromising. You know, it, when it sets about telling the story that it's going to tell and giving it the feel that it's going to give, it steps over a bunch of well-established game production, you know, motifs and, and aspects. So let me explain. In the opening scenes, you find yourself uh, with your gang um, on the run and traipsing up a snow-covered mountain. Uh, and uh, the story develops that you have to ride out in search of uh, a well-known character uh, from previous games and because uh, he's gone mi- missing. And, and through this, there's snow squalls and 
you're having a conversation as you guys ride together on horses and the, the atmosphere is beautiful and the detail is beautiful. The untouched snow covered hill, uh, mountaintops are pristine and glorious. But you do notice this game is taking its time. Literally, not at a snail's pace, but at a, at a horse's pace, which, uh, fun fact, for the longest time is the fastest anything could go. And you'd think with all the work that horses have done, they would be man's best friend, but somehow dog gets it. I don't get it. Anyway, uh, I digress. The game lets you know it's going to go at this storytelling pace, and it's going to take its time. And that was tough for me. There was a moment when I'm like, okay, game, you better show up, and you better show up quick. Um but it did show up. Uh, it, it, it's in, t- in turn with the Old West pace. And you see that as you're playing this game, uh, Arthur Morgan has to ride between ta- towns in real time um, quite a bit. You'll find yourself you know, uh, galloping across the countryside. And that's beautiful because the, the world kind of reveals itself to you and you can really feel soaked in that Wild West atmosphere. After the game goes on a bit, you unlock a teeny bit of fast travel. You can fast travel out of your camp. Um, You can hop on trains. Um, But this kind of heavy storytelling is one of the the, just the beautiful points of this game. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds good, man. Uh, You know, the the thing is, is we talked about this previously. Um, the The little vignettes they use to color the world. This is the, this is the, this is the, um, how can I put it? This is the big block I have around open world games is is understanding how can I put this? An open world game demands a lot of time for you to make an assessment about it that's that's relevant, right? You know, even Breath of the Wild, which arguably was the most accessible open world game of recent memory, in that it was just focused enough to keep you moving towards key objectives, but had all these whimsical things happening along the way to the you know more conventional Zelda dungeon thing, right? Even that game required some time to get used to the you know the um, what happens when I go off the beaten path, and is it worth my time to do so? And in Breath of the Wild, right. it absolutely is. Yeah. You know, it, this is a game that's so great. It lays some story threads at, at your feet that aren't dire. Uh, after the initial sort of tutorial, you you find yourself setting up camp and there's stuff to do. They want you to ride into the local town and see what the deal is. Like, it, it, boy, the, the linear storytelling that then drops in the, the world, it feels just so natural. And this, this game really sells that. But what I found myself in any great game, what I did is... I wandered for like the first three weeks that I played the game, doing story missions a bit, but exploring, hunting, just seeing what the world had to offer, rope, roping in wild horses and breaking them. And, you know, the game has these loose mechanics in the sense that the game implies them. It doesn't come out right out and tells you, tell you, you know, the, the eagle eye and the dead eye systems where you're dropping into kind of bullet time to aim, they, they kind of re- let you figure that out for yourself in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's cool. You, you, your, your three main stats are, 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 you know, only lightly covered how they work. Your cores, as they're called, the health, stamina, stamina and dead eye. And you, you learn a lot of the stuff just through the game revealing itself. And it's little mechanics like when it gets cold out, not only does Arthur go, hey, I need something heavier to wear, but if you have a, a male horse, its testicles shrink. Doc. And you're like, oh, these guys put some detail on it, <laughs> on this guy. You realize that your hat is going to fly off a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. Do you chase it, after it? it, it ha- what if you don't? 
Uh, it gets returned to your horse. There's some little friendly bits where where it would be completely arduous, like you got to buy a new hat, or every like you got to chase your hat through the desert all the time. Like that's just a thing right, that's always happening. And I've, it actually quest, brings up some real world, hat. some real world issues where that's probably a thing that had. It's like you know you're the baddest outlaw in the West. And yet, you know, every two days, there's like a stern 15 minutes where you're trying to, damn it, oh, come on, hat, just, oh. That's the third hat this week. Ah. And that's something else will happen. The game's got so much charm, you'll find yourself talking like Arthur and telling, you know, your sweet lady, sure, I'll go down to grocery store. Would you like uh, English muffin? You know, like, you'll just find yourself in that, that region. My, my initial gameplay, you know, I found myself on the wrong side of the law in one county, which what started as a misunderstanding, because what I thought was the punch button was actually the quick draw your uh, pistol and unload a bunch of rounds into that guy button. And that that started a chain of events that, you know, fast forward a couple uh, uh, days in the game, uh, I'm being uh, chased by marshals. All the time, I got bounty hunters rolling up on me all the time, and you know that's how I played the game as an outlaw for the first you know week or so of my time with it. It was fast it was forward cool, a couple of gay dames, a couple of gay days. <laughs> um, boy, I'm deep in this uh, the CBD. Let me tell you. Oh man, but, uh, I, you know, I, I want to hear what the, you have to say, but I just have to remark on the fact. We, oh no, it, it's super wild. That Max Payne came out shortly after The Matrix, ripped off that movie, and did a slow motion, you know, shoot your gun situation, which was great and was, you know, coupled with a great game, so good on it. But now, whenever anybody does that, we call it bullet time. As if Max Payne was the first, like, property to have an original thought about slowing shit down so you could shoot stuff. It's amazing. Homie, bullet... Homie, bullet time was co- coined by Matrix. The Matrix. What? No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, it was not. Bullet time Matrix. No, a hundred percent. Would you like to wager on this one, my friend? Uh... A classic, a classic Dan and Andy wager, which is could go either way, buddy. Fifty-fifty. Stop googling it. Uh, I've Stop already, it. already Wikipedia. Bullet You're the worst but is it kind of person. Referred to yes, registered you, trademark of Warner Brothers. So how did yeah, Max? I'm just gonna get you to pause. I'm just gonna get you to super duper. I'm gonna get you to pause it <sighs> right down. In the in the behind the scenes, they call it bullet time. They developed it. It's because one of the core scenes that they shot it around was when Agent Smith is taking pot shots at our our good friend Neo Neo Geo Double Dio. And uh, that's what they want to show bullets in real time from various angles. So bullet time is what it got called. Um, you know, Max Payne was smart because, buddy, everybody ripped off bullet time. Movies, not books, because that doesn't make any sense. And uh, every movie started having bullet time in them. You could name probably 100 right now. Um, and Max Payne was the first game to see that as such an opportunity for a developer i wonder if it'd be even possible that they co-developed it but they saw an opportunity and bullet time and max Payne was perfect perfect yeah this is interesting because i'm just i'm trying to figure this like looking into this the wikipedia article and this this requires some more looking into the wikipedia article states that bullet time was originally used in the original script of the 1999 Matrix film, but then later uh, was was established formally as a registered trademark of Warner Brothers 
because Warner Brothers was the was the distributor. I know. That owns no, the I understand. IP. I understand. But in uh. but Max Payne came out in two thousand and one. So Max Payne right, comes right. out in two thousand and one, refers to its mechanic as bullet time. Then right. Warner Brothers comes out in two thousand and five in connection with The Matrix Online, which didn't go anywhere but was still a thing. I, do you remember The Matrix Online? Um, I I do. I never got to play it, and it, it it was apparently a great game that collapsed. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Collapsed, I never sadly. never touched it, but it, it so, was made by a small studio, and it was like a quite an undertaking for them. So it was touch and go from the beginning. Yeah, well, Warner Brothers trademarked it at that point. After again, after. Max Payne had made it a thing, so this it's it's it really interesting that, but well, it, do, it also I mean, doesn't say that Bullet Time was used in the film though as an actual reference. For sure, I I don't understand. Have you seen The Matrix? I have, but do they call it Bullet Time? Yes, it, I just told you it's in the behind the scenes, right? But not uh, in the damn movie. With the, do they call it? How would they call it bullet time in the movie? I, I asked you, kind video. sir. Exactly. Would, would Neo? Would Would Neo say time to use my bullet well, time this power? Is what I'm That's stating. not did how Max, it works, Andy. Did Max no, Payne. I, you're so. I need to stop you because you're hurting my brain. <laughs> like Come Neo on. is demonstrating his ability to become the one to see the code. You're seeing how he's encountering I'm the so matrix. Aware he's that like that. I'm just talking that about that time term. was like a bullet. Just, I know, but are you saying why did they say bullet time in the film Ma The Matrix? Well, my point is, is that Max Payne comes out in yes two years. That is my cat. Scratching itself under the table. Hold the phone. <laughs> okay, hold the phone. Max Payne comes out in 2001, two years after yes. The Matrix. Max I'm Payne calls his their mechanic bullet time, okay? Okay. Referring yep. to what? Are they referring to the behind-the-scenes commentary of The Matrix to come up with that it, vernacular for bullet time? No, it was no. it was well-known. Everybody referred to that filming technique. Like technology is bullet time. Maybe that was what you maybe, call it. Maybe, but like that would no, require. No, not maybe. Who's saying maybe. what? Who's who coins that? Like so, so we're just walking around and it's like, hey, did you see the Matrix? I loved bullet time. Is that what you're saying? It was common, common vernacular. It was a common, it was a common, common parlance. It's like, why do they call it slow mo? We like, just called it oh, slow mo. That's what we did. We called it slow. We didn't call it bullet time in my circle. No, it's slow mo is totally different. Slow mo is just. Uh, less frames per second, or actually, they repeat the frames over over time. I understand it, your point, and I agree with you entirely. I'm just stating right. that Max Payne comes out in 2001, calls their shit bullet time. Whether they were yeah, referring to an official terminology of Warner Brothers or not, Warner Brothers doesn't patent that phrase until 2005, when the freaking Matrix video game comes out. So it's just right. It's an interesting series of events, is all I'm stating. I'm gonna concede that it's very interesting. I'll, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell this story at parties. Please do. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a raucous show starter. Mm, it's going to be. Everybody a gather of, around. Daniel's of, telling me the story. The story about bullet time. Uh, Go on. Listen, between a couple of gay dames, let's just. <laughs> Let's, let's just keep it as it is. Andy, Back. I love our pre-show conversation is, Dan, I just I really want to keep this show as PG as possible. And like my one my one mess up, you're like, this thing's getting three call outs. <laughs> Back to you. Over to uh Red Dead Redemption. Sorry, was I talking? You were. <laughs> so the at bullet length. time. No. At length. Um so at 
it, yeah, so this 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 game I think um, does everything really well. I mean, if you want to um, run down the main storyline and, and make sure that uh, Dutch has always got more money, or if you just want to grow your beard and go fishing for the better part of uh, of of a week, you can do that, um, and it's totally satisfying. You know, I I had friends, uh, our good friend. Uh, 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 Joey, he said he actually dropped off, and um, because it was a little bit slow. And my other good, uh, our other buddy Jordan, he had to take a break, and I've heard that. Even I had to do that. It's like two weeks, and you take a step away because the the way the game moves. When you hop back in, you have this refreshed love, and you you can you can you can make it happen again. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not even through to the fourth chapter yet, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, let me say, and it feels like that maybe for me isn't the right time for me to dig into that game because like it's just there's, you know, we were talking moments ago about Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate and the amount of content that's there, but the way that the content is offered up doesn't require exploration; it just requires progression. You know, uh, Red Dead Redemption two requires you to go out and experience the game and i feel like that's not super conducive to small chunks of play would you agree or would you say that it's it's still it's still got that hey you know what what i love about the the game is you can either run out or do and do whatever and you can be doing those whatever things pretty fairly quickly like there's sometimes a horse ride but if you want to take a bite of the story the missions are pretty short i'd say the missions um whether the storyline or side missions, they range between five and maybe 15 minutes at max. So you can hop in and, and move the story ahead an inch. Yeah. And I found myself doing that. And that's that's satisfying. So I, it's, it has a good hop in, hop out vibe. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So, uh, you know, my final question would be if you take all of those disparate elements together, because you've got, you know, the ability to advance the main storyline, which is one thing. But I think if this game, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't played it. If this game was just the main storyline, it would be one tenth of as remarkable as if you were to go out and experience all of the things the frontier has to offer you. Right. And so I guess my question is, is the game more in the storyline more on the frontier, and can you experience it all without dedicating, you know, a two-week chunk to sit down and actually do it justice every day for, you know, four or five hours in the evening? Does it require that to really get your beard grown out and go fishing, or can you uh, like, can you slip in? It doesn't, like, it's not like the game demands you to check all the boxes and have every experience, but it does guarantee is when you ride out, this experience is going to be unique in many ways there's nice. stuff that happens out in the world you know at random that that's that's satisfying and it just it makes you do feel like the world has its kind of uh its own life cycle i think i think we were talking about this a bit i almost i'm having deja vu but it's like for a while the beginning i'm feeling like am i playing westworld right now because like unique storylines and, and and experiences were approaching me and they're just so interesting it just made me think of that um but yeah, buddy, you know, it's, I think that it's, it's both. It, you, you don't have to, if, if you just played through the game, you wouldn't feel like, oh, I missed everything. The world, you'd still get some of the world's richness just doing the main storyline. Um, but can you saddle up your horse uh, that you name Bales and, and ride off into a, with a bearskin outfit that you hunted yourself um, to find bandits? You, you, you damn hell ass share can. Oh yeah! All right, man. Listen, that's all I wanted to hear, buddy. You know, I think uh, I think I will go out on a limb here, 
pull my wallet out of my pocket and slide it right back in because I'd like to borrow your copy. There you go. Cool. It's in the mail. There you are. Very good. Um, so listen, I got an article here from Leafly on Canada's most searched cannabis strains in the first month since legalization, which I think is cool. I want to go through this list as a little uh, little hyperspeed exercise, and I want you to tell me if you've tried this strain, okay? Yeah. All right, let's yeah. go. Uh, or or let's do even it. better, the last time you tried this strain, if you have. Ooh, Ooh. I'll try for it, if you can recall. <laughs> nothing, nothing like short-term memory and gone. <laughs> Blue Dream. Blue Dream have tried on the podcast, I believe, probably uh, six months ago. Okay. Um, Blueberry Indica crossed with Sativa Haze, Sativa Dominant Hybrid, balances full body relaxation with gentle cerebral invigoration. This was my end of the evening strain in Las Vegas uh, last year, I want to say March, and it was it was probably the closest relationship I've had with um, with cannabis. That's sativa. Uh, Blue Dream is probably my favorite sativa sativa dominant, I guess we could say, strain um, because it gives you that uplifted euphoric. Hey, I still got an hour left before I want to crash. I want to chat with some people, but I want to you know bring bring the excitement down a notch. It's the best post-party strain if you're not looking to fall right asleep. Blue Dream is in my top five for sure. Next one's Pink Kush. Oh yeah, buddy. This one I go back to quite a bit. This one, you just need a little pinch because it's high octane and then it gets it real sexy. All hips and nips the whole time with Pink Kush. Ooh, I feel you on that one. Um, Indica dominant yeah. hybrid, powerful body focused effects. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I get really stoned off of pinks. I don't know what it is. Pinks hit me in a way that I can only describe as, you know, a train to the face. Um, my first yeah. pink strain ever was a pink Death Star. Uh, that's the Ooh. that's the last one I can, sorry, it wasn't my first pink strain ever. The last strain that I enjoyed was pink Death Star, which was the mm -hmm. first time I'd ever enjoyed a pink Death Star. And yeah. it was a roll it up. We had a blunt bubbler, one of the little MJ Arsenal blunt bubblers, which was great. I uh, had about half a blunt left. And um, I had a walk. It was a beautiful spring day. I had a walk to the liquor store afterwards to pick up a bottle of wine for a friend. And honestly, it, I felt the entire way there that my whole body was melting into the pavement. It was like it was like I was being pulled forward by the melting force of my face. Literally melted my face off. So it's so body focused. You can feel it all over your body. That melty crushing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I totally I totally co inside with what you're saying. Words. I have words. They're there. Traces of sweet vanilla and candy perfume in the aroma, and that's so true. It smells delicious. Um, and Leafly does say the potency of this strain could be considered overpowering and often small doses are all you need i would concur <laughs> uh white widow uh have you had white, white widow? widow oh buddy this is this used to be the staple uh, -huh. uh you know when when you're when your buddy comes to you with some seeds and wants to start a grow up and uh it's like uh that's the that was the hot strain when what's at least when it happened to me it's like i got white widow and i'm like let's do this so i was involved in a in a little side cultivation so it's an old friend this guy's a heavy hitter too we're talking heavy crystals just white and glistening it, it, it was the first weed that i saw that just sang you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it wasn't uh mexican swag by the the a long stretch and this guy 
uh, hits you right away. And it, as I recall, it's one of those an uplifting things are happening uh, strain. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely bang on. Um, White Widow, I actually had for the first time. Um, I shouldn't say that. I've air quotes had some White Widow over the years, uh, high school, university. But a lot of the time, that was just the <laughs> as you as you mentioned, that was the. Uh, vernacular for i got some dank weed man i got he some was white saying, widow this was the chronic this yeah that, that wasn't necessarily speaking of the lineage so the first time i was certain that i had white widow was actually in amsterdam um and was a beautiful it's it's uh, what can i say it's like the amsterdam weed you go over there and white widow is everywhere um first bred in the netherlands by greenhouse seeds uh, oh, Leafly even says, in the years since its birth in the 90s, White Widow has graced every Dutch coffee shop menu. And they're absolutely correct. It's all over the place. Extremely white, crystally buds, um, and a powerful burst of euphoria and energy. And that's exactly what I enjoyed about White Widow. Had a little bit on the patio there at the greenhouse, and then spent the rest of the day uh, just cruising around the city um, by feet. And I can tell you, I walked all day. I walked all day. I had a great time seeing the sights, and um, it's for me one of my one of my favorite, most dear strains because I have some great memories attached. So, White Widow, big fan of it, especially if you're doing you know some touring or or seeing some new sights. It's uh, it's definitely uh, definitely a, a must grab. GSC is the next one. Girl Scout cookies, my uh, dude. Although we can't call it that I now, know. thanks to the lawsuit. Oh, great. Well, we'll probably keep calling it that. An old favorite that we have actually uh, reviewed on the cast as well. Yes, sir. And what's interesting is one of the lineages on this guy is OG Kush. And OG Kush is one of the the lineages, strange with such a great story. Check out um, Murder Mountain on Netflix about Humble County. Humble County is one of the sort of the birthplaces of the pot move, movement. And basically uh, uh, in California, a group of hippies in the early 60s were growing seeds from Mexico and had started up a community on the on in Humboldt County in California and they realized they could make a lot of money that's not why they did it to begin with they did it to get out into nature and to basically literally have a hippie commune fascinating but they found out that they could cultivate it as a as a cash crop to support their community literally pay for schools and stuff um, to be to be run in their in their communities and one of the guys said we heard about better strains in Afghanistan in this one region and got on a plane and flew there and sought them out and brought them back to California. And that was OG Kush. Yep. And that's, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, it's just such a landmark, um, pot strain because it literally changed the industry and put it on the, the trajectory to get to where it is today. Yep. Nope. In I, the U.S. It, it, OG Kush is a fascinating story. Um, I'm intimately familiar with that one. And, and it's, it's, ah, it's just a great piece of weed folklore. Uh, well, it's not lore, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, I do. it's an interesting factoid. Um, GSC, the last time I had it was uh, actually in a, um, the orange cookies variation, which I reviewed on the podcast when Monster Hunter World first came out. I've never played Monster Hunter World uh, not post-Orange Cookies. So the entire time <laughs> I was playing Monster Hunter World, it was post-Orange Cookies. I probably played Monster Hunter World more because of Orange Cookies and also accomplished way less than I could have because of Orange Cookies. I just got... <laughs> 
really lost in those maps. I was gonna haunt that monster. But then <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I got super lost a bunch of times um, and found myself picking bushes and following glow flies uh, for hours. What's that orange cookies there, Andy? Orange cookies, uh, it's Girl Scout, Scout cookies mixed with orange cookies strain. Leafly is gonna tell us it is mixed with Someone, oh man, Leafly has this new thing where you have to click on a thousand things to get in. Uh, Isn't it's, that great? Yeah, it's orange juice mixed with GSC. There you go. There you go. Yes. Um, it's a good one. Oh, cheesy. Uh, let's. Uh, speaking of, uh-huh. uh, because I got high, that artist that sings that song, he was supposed to play in Newfoundland for, uh, for New Year's Eve, but unfortunately he got high and forgot to book his plane ticket to the last minute, realized that it was going to be it was going to cost him more to book that flight than the gig was paying and had to cancel. Ooh. <laughs> He's like, I'll do it next year. I was going to play in Labrador, but then I got high. Then I got high. Yeah. 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 Um, great White Shark. Never had it, actually. No, I never even heard of it. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard of it. I just never had it. Sour Diesel. Oh, sour Diesel's in everything. Chemdog. Uh, I mean, anytime you're smelling diesel, you got to think sour diesel. It's it's our dreamy, uh, uh, sometimes hallucinogenic friend. And you know when you've got it because you say, boy, this nug smells like gasoline. You got the um, gas. And sometimes it'll, you get treated to that uh, uh, purpley, purpley, purpley dance in the middle of it with the, those purple terps, or not terps, but hairs. Uh, and I, I have to say, the first time I encountered this was with uh, Marty, Marty the One Man Party, as a young man, and he sold me some of this fine herb in a forest. Fun fact: one of Marty's arms doesn't work and just hangs at his side, and that's all right. Just don't try to high five him; it's embarrassing every time. That's exactly the kind of gentleman that I want to sell me sour diesel. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Granddaddy Purple, Daniel, some GDP. Yes, sir. Some GDP, the gross domestic product of this. Ah, uh, you um, had some GDP on the on the cast a few weeks ago. Actually, was it the last train you reviewed? No. Yo, GDP. Yeah, you know me, and uh, also some purple Urkel, buddy. Yeah, I remember as, you saying as, as wandered big through bud. As Jeremy Irons, that's Big all I got bad. there. Yeah, Granddaddy Purple is uh, is another favorite of mine. It's a uh, intense couch lock friend. Um, mm-hmm. in, you mm-hmm. know, the last time I had Granddaddy Purple was actually uh, an unfortunate time. It was during um, <laughs> during Stampede in Calgary, and if you know Stampede in Calgary, you know that that's a party. Stampede in Calgary. It's a boot boogie. Yeah, man. I mean, it, the entire city functionally. It, so it's it's Stampede is a is a rodeo. Uh, a very famous rodeo that happens here in Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. And basically the entire city, which, you know, is, is filled with folks who work in the oil and gas sector and, you know, mm-hmm. um, some generally pretty straight laced fellas, uh, you know, let their, sure. let their hair down and tie on a cowboy yeah. hat and head on downtown Get for, some uh, for some partying. And the entire city basically mm-hmm. gets, uh, pretty drunk for about two weeks. And that's what, Stampedes. And I was at a stampede party. We were having a blast. We were wearing some cannabis embroidered um, cowboy shirts, uh, having a few drinks at a, at a lovely restaurant downtown. And then the granddaddy purple came out and I had a couple puffs and uh, didn't last much longer than another 15, 20 minutes before I wanted to go to sleep. 
Go, go, game over. Yeah, I don't know who brings out an indica that dank to a party. That's like, that's like, all right, guys, let's turn it up by taking some Benadryl. <laughs> it's just like, who yeah. wants to get in a coma and ride a bull? Yeah, man, it is like instant. Let's let's go watch, you know, Rick and Morty is what that was. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was it was great. Felt good, but also felt very sleepy. Uh, so, Granddaddy Purple. That's why, that's why you want to know your strain. Because if you haul one of these out uh, before, you know, a, a gentle rave in the desert, you're going to have a bad time. Or a really good time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is the funny thing about, you know, consuming cannabis with friends in public. Is you're never going to have a joint being passed around and go, oh, what are we smoking? Like, it's just, weed's not there yet, right? It's just, it's not... I- Andy, I gotta say, that used to be true, and it might have been true when you were in Alberta, but in the interim, we've passed that. Did we? That's now in the circles that I run in personally. When when the joint comes out, before, that would have been uncouth, almost like looking a gift uh, uh, doink in the mouth, <laughs> where now it's more like... Uh, a question of what what kind of wine is this? You want to know because uh, it affects the way you think about it, and you know where you're headed. It's I think it's acceptable. What what do you think, man? You still think we're still out there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just all I mean to say is I haven't haven't heard it asked of me or anyone I've been around. But mm. you know, generally the weed comes out and it's you know everyone's just having a quick little puff. But for me, I want to know because if I'm getting down with you know uh, Blue Dream versus granddaddy purple versus some sour diesel versus a pink kush it's a remarkably different experience no different than are we drinking wine or beer or tequila you know that's a that's a significantly different thing even gin and vodka and tequila can be very different you know your brown liquors your clear so it's the same thing here i think you know what I'm i'm making it okay if you haven't uh if you haven't felt comfortable enough to ask Ask next time and then just say, old Andy told you to do so. Um, and, and and let me say, it is good policy when anybody brings out anything rolled up in a sweet J to ask what it is. Because maybe they're, they're uh, uh, Snoop Dogg and they've got some nice green rolled up. But maybe you're getting Denzel Washington and he's like, hey, man, I didn't know you liked to smoke PCP. I didn't know you liked to get wet. <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible. What? Yeah, what was oh, that, that movie? Training uh, Day? That's a Je- yeah, that's a Jeffrey. Oh, what's a Jeffrey? That's weed and cocaine and a little methamphetamine and just like an, a little bit of angel dust in there. And I like to drip some cognac on the outside. I'm sorry, what? Get him to the Greek. Get him to the Greek. Yeah, man. That's actually, I, I remember laughing about the Jeffrey quite a while. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember friends. Why the hell you call that a Only take a joint from a person you know isn't completely uh, out to get you. Because, <laughs> oh boy. Calm Meanie's Meanie's line in that his, his best line is like he's like because when you call it a Jeffrey it's no big deal Jeffrey's just a bloke from down the road. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. You know I like the fact that cannabis, especially like in Canada, given legalization, you know it's a totally different texture. My mother got a magic butter machine for Christmas. That's what she got mm. for Christmas. She's making some edibles this year. It's a totally Out of different a Martha Stewart catalog. It is a totally different world, man. Because like you know. Cannabis and drugs have just been utterly divorced. You know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. I, I'm really I'm excited for that. I think there's a lot of really positive implications of that. And I get down with cannabis. 
I just don't like drugs. So the fact that those two things are are utterly separate at this point is really uh, important and relevant to me, and I'm excited about it. You know, Andy, I won't I won't sit here and let you say an unkind word about drugs. But, you know, it's important that we understand each of them and, you know, let knowledge be our guide. Because I'd argue for many things, there's a time and a place for many quote-unquote drugs. And while uh, cannabis has, has entered the realm of it's sort of holding hands a bit, and I don't want to overstate it, with alcohol in terms of how it's seen by society, it's not quite at the baby aspirin stage, and it probably never should be. Yeah, no, you're right. you're right on that one. You're right on that one. Um, let me finish up this list. MK Ultra. Uh, MK Ultra, one of my favorite strains personally. This is a great list, um, and obviously for good reason, because MK Ultra, uh, the one that I've had most recently was by Aurora. Uh, Aurora's MK Ultra is spectacular. Really enjoy it. It's a murderer. It's a savage. It, it's, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I had, so yes, I mean, it's it's definitely, uh, you're prone to couch lock. It's a hypnotic, it's a hypnotic strain. It can, it can come on fast and quick. I had it before, after a long day of work, before a nice meal at a Greek restaurant, and I ate a lot of food, a whole lot, and it was lovely. MK Ultra is a, a stealth assassin that's going to lay you low. So, you know, I, I want to secure a comfortable location when I'm working with this little devil. Yeah, MK Ultra is a good one for sure. Um, you know what else is a good one, Dan? What's that? Resident Evil 2. So good, in fact, that they're oh. remaking that game. Not a remaster, but a remake. Uh, this one's kind of been flying under the radar, but I've been low-key watching it. Andy, did you play Resident Evil 2? You dabble with the PlayStation uh, version? I will come on out and say that I have never played a Resident Evil game. Well... That's the sweet spot. If you ever want to go back, I have to admit, if you haven't played it before and you're visiting it for the first time, the camera angles are going to be a little bit frustrating. The graphics are going to seem a little bit dated. But there's some core gameplay there that, that's just solid and takes its time and is a ton of fun. I've seen some stuff from the new one, and they, they've they captured the spirit of that while making it totally playable. So. Uh, uh, I maybe this will be your jumping in point. Uh, I think um, it might be because I'm I'm warming up to, and we talked about this around Halloween. Like scary games, not usually for me, but um, mm. but you know it's a classic and it looks compelling. Uh, and the fact that they're remaking the damn game means that it's got to be a good one, right? They, that, that's what it has yeah. to mean, right? And uh, it, you know, it's funny because you mentioned the scariness. And I like I like to pretend that I'm I, I can handle these things, but Resident Evil Seven, um, the last one that they they released, I, I like to say that I, I don't want to buy it because my sweet sweet lady can't handle it. The truth is, is I can't handle oh, it. Oh man, I'm with it's, you. <laughs> I just you know no. it's got the people under the stairs, horrifying Texas Chainsaw Massacre, unescapable fear. Um, yeah, you know that I'm just like, oh, I don't actually don't know if I can. Dude, go I live in a 180 year old house. I don't need any. Mm. I don't need any more imagination. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm aware that I am not the first person to live in this domicile. <laughs> you know, I don't need any nightmare fuel from Resident Evil. Um, you know, to to plant any imaginative narratives in my brain. Andy, can I ask you? Have you ever dug into the subfloor of your dirt basement? 
So what's also coming out this month is <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3, the game that I believe has been in development since uh, 3 the BC. The Dawn of Man. The Dawn of Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just yeah. about A- forever. Atari, I think they were going to launch this for the 2600. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was coming out for the 2600. Um, I, dude, I like. I really just I can't believe this snuck up on me. I can't believe it's coming out this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine I'm going to call it probably, probably a game of the year. What do you think? Uh, boy, what a bold move, but I actually was going to say the same thing. And you're right. Kingdom's hearts has been spoken in hushed tones for three years. And I, I found myself clicking on a nice little clickbaity article about, you know, the, the developer lead developer of kingdom hearts talks about why it took him so long. And I click into it. And in two paragraphs, it basically says, I want to make sure the game was good. <laughs> Listen, man, there's, if there's ever a good reason to not release a game, it's because it's not great yet. Um, we're going to Pirates of the Caribbean's Port Royale. Port Royale, excuse me. We're going to the mm. 100 Acre Wood, which is awesome. Mm. We're going to yeah, we uh, Worlds Inspired by Frozen, by Tangled, by Toy Story, Big Hero 6, Monsters, Inc. Like that, I'm all over it. That's, that's to me, uh, Hercules, I think. Uh, where else? Oh, and the, the game's opening song uh, is... Uh, Utada Hikaru returning from the previous entries in the series and Skrillex which is just awesome <laughs> so which shows they started the development in 2008 yeah yeah the height of the height of when Skrillex was a thing uh, he's still mm-hmm. kicking around for Kingdom Hearts this is his this has become his big uh, his big resurgence good for him his move and, and God bless I, yeah and you know what I've been looking at some of the 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 gameplay footage and Dude, some of the it looks uh, the development really stuff. freaking good man it looks like a disney what movie I notice is that it moves gives you new play styles intermittently like crazy and it seems like every one of them it doesn't feel like a throwaway side game they've put the work in to make it amazing and fluid and, and beautiful and right down to the fact that i'm gonna come out and say the water level looks fun yeah the water level yep. looks fun. No, I know what you're talking about there. There's all there's like some like some Metroid looking stuff. There's mm-hmm. uh, some so I see Stitch in there too, and Stitch is uh, you know low pro, probably my favorite Disney character. Really loved Lilo and Stitch. Oh. That's a good one. Yeah, the uh, the murderous alien that that you know warms the heart of a young um, you know uh, parentless child. Really a good one in general. Uh, damn man, this game. I, I'm so excited for it. I wish it was coming out for Switch because I know that my time to play will be limited on the PlayStation. But um, ah, this is a this is a no brainer. This is a day one, maybe even a collector's edition purchase. What about you? Yeah, buddy, uh, this one's on the list, and it's it's been such a wide spanning game. I know the game offers you like a one hour catch up to give you all the business or something like that. Um, and they've recently been kind enough to put uh, the the collector's pack on discount if you want to play through it. And uh, I think this is going to be one of the epic releases of, uh, dare I say, the system's lineage. We're getting into that late stage PS4 life. People are all talking about the new consoles. seems like there's going to be a lot of players in the market. And this might be one of the sort of uh, magnum opuses of the PS4. Yep, absolutely. Well, and uh, I don't know how much gameplay time is promised. I'd have to imagine this is at least a forty-hour title. That would that would make sense to me. Um, 
ah, just just incredible. Key art on the box looks amazing. Um, this is a game that you know I'd be excited to show to my kid. You know, there's a lot of properties in there. Disney, that you get can a, we have our money now? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh God. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll I'll stop going the route of Jared from Subway and and just back off on this one. But um, pretty excited about Kingdom Hearts three. That's for sure. What? Dan, I want to wrap up this episode. I want to wrap up this episode by um, positing that for 2019, we should do something a little different. Tell me. I think you and I should should uh, should erect a smoking... Oh, no. We're, we're erecting a smoking bucket list. Ugh. A bucket list of locations, list. locations uh, and occasions for chuffing a bone in the new year. 2019. Let's see how many of these uh, these items on the bingo card we can achieve. Are you in? I'm in. All right. Let me start us off. A genuine fallout shelter. A genuine fallout shelter. A genuine fallout shelter. All right. I'll add that to the list. A fallout shelter. Uh, wow. I can't type. There we go. A fallout shelter. Okay. Um, how about... So what do you want to think? That's, that seems a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like dream big, Andy. I don't know if it's a big dream. dream. Big. I feel like we'll be in a fallout dream. shelter and, and I'll build I'll, your life with intention. Cause otherwise someone else will build it for you. And you know what they have planned for you? Not much buddy smoking in the back of a Volkswagen. I would say one of the top 10 intentions of my life is to never have to be in a fallout shelter. <laughs> I would say that's pretty far up there, but Hey, we'll do it just for you. We'll go in. We'll figure it out. Andy, I got my letter from the CNSC today advising me that good news. I hadn't got a, a dose of radiation this year, and uh, I, I that's the that's the realm I live in. A fallout shelter is, is a real possibility for me. Okay, I have access. Very good. Well, hopefully they won't make you play Fallout seventy six while you're there. That could be a double whammy mm, of awful. The ultimate punishment. Ugh. I was thinking more like snowshoeing in the beautiful Canadian outdoors. I love it. It's inspired. Put that one on the Instagram list. Um, uh, Dan has written... Smoking smoking in your mucklucks. I think for my second buddy, I got to say, uh, as the passenger of a hang gliding team. The pass... Dude, like this is hang gliding. Going deep. All right. So not, not driving. No. And I'm the passenger. You're the passenger. Someone's hang, passenger. Someone's hang gliding you. Co-gliding. Co-gliding. <laughs> Very good. Dan's written in a makes in a makeshift sweat sweat lodge. I didn't write that. You did. You, you lied. You definitely you lied wrote that. I don't know if this no. is possible. I'd remember. Is this a vision it has quest to be thing? With a sh yeah, it has to be with a shaman. I want him to be chanting in tones to keep uh, spirits away and keep our intentions pure. And I, I think that's the right way to do it, buddy. I tell you what, we'll snowshoe to the sweat lodge. Snowshoe to the sweat lodge. I like it. Um, at a video game tournament, I think is a reasonable entry. I think that this is something we should get mm -hmm. ourselves to this year. Chuff a little bone, mm -hmm. go watch some video games. Yeah. Uh, with a medical professional, hopefully in a totally benign context. Yeah, just like a, a, a paramedic. Daryl, the paramedic. We got to find a paramedic in the wild and see if they, uh, off duty, of course, would like to enjoy some mm -hmm. cannabis. Or maybe on duty just for a healthy monitoring. Sure. There you go. With a cosplayer. And it can't be either of us. We don't do mm, that anyway. Mm. But, you know, someone in costume. Can we, can we, for extra bonus points, 
Uh, I'm going to say uh, a Metal Gear Solid cosplayer. If we can get that down, there's bonus points. No, that's like the easiest. No, come on. Uh, well, then throw out yours. Don't don't yuck on my. All yuck. right, okay, don't, okay. Don't get okay. on your. Throw well, one out can there, we leave it broad? Man. Let's let's aim, let's angle or tell you what. Tell you what. But for bonus with points. a cosplayer while dressed as characters from Metal Gear Solid. No, I just mean like throw out who your bonus points cosplayer is. Just give it to me. Get wild. So we're with a co- um, bonus points cosplayer would be. It's got to be off the beaten path, right? Does it? <sighs> bonus points cosplayer would be. Oh, let's, let's see if we can find a, a Geralt. A Geralt. Let's find a Classic. Geralt. Let's find a Geralt. Classic. In a boat. Yeah. Also, while not driving. Don't drive and smoke. Like fights. a nice. Like a pon, like a pontoon boat. Like a, I think is yeah. the answer there. Pontoon boat or a canoe. By the way, a gentle canoe ride. Nah, I don't advocate smoking in a canoe. You're needed. I do. You're needed in that no, canoe. No, no, it makes you better. It makes you. If better. you're the guy smoking a joint in the canoe with other people who are paddling the canoe, you're just a dick. No, you've come to a gentle halt in an inlet, and you're absorbing. Uh, the nature and watching painted turtles sun themselves on rocks. Oh, what's that? Is that a heron? Yeah, it's coming in for a landing. But then someone has to paddle you out of the... Uh, okay, fine. No, buddy. In a, buddy. Maybe in a canoe, you can, but you probably can not. paddle in a canoe. Fair enough. Pro- definitely, yes. I'm not a kayak. A canoe. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> After hiring a canoe crew, like, like Jacques Cousteau... Listen, man, take your life into your hands, okay? Uh, our ancestors pilgrimized this great land in fine canoes, and you can do it too. <laughs> Good Lord. In a boat. I've already said, already said it in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one, I don't know, decidedly on a down note, with a municipal politician. Yay. <laughs> Hi. Hi, County Corrections, Dave. <laughs> I feel like I feel Who like I? this is. I'm the f- I'm the comptroller. We're gonna nail this one during campaign time because it's gonna be. <clears throat> I'm sure. Hey, uh, I'm a really important person, and if you would like the votes of me, my family, and just about everybody we know, it's time to smoke a bowl. And I think that uh, we could probably first get down di- that way. District Ward. District Ward 19 requires you to smoke a little ganja um, while making poutine. For those of you that don't know, poutine is a delicious Canadian snack made of fries, gravy, and cheese curds. And Dan and I... Did you get tired of my ridiculous answers so you stopped asking me? Yeah. Well, whatever. (laughs) Just halted. Just halted. Halted. While making poutine, I I feel will be a delicious experience. Why don't you take the next one, Dan? Oh, I I can't. I don't have anything on deck. You you seven. No, actually, I would say in an apiary. In an... What is an apiary? I'm so glad you asked me. It's like a bee farm, buddy. Oh, okay. In a bee farm. Yeah. Because I feel like you get you get all potted up and, and just absorb the, those, those bee vibrations. And there are bee vibrations, my friend. Okay. Well, in an apiary, if I actually know a beekeeper, so I can probably hook that up, just saying. Oh, I know. I know folks, buddy. We can go up near Manitoulin Island and get into a wild apiary. <laughs> are we getting really are we getting in a pissing match about who knows more beekeepers? Is that what's happening? Uh, it's already on. We'll hang glide in. It'll be wonderful. Hang glide in from the sweat lodge. We're going to get all these birds and bees stoned at once. Mm. Finally, I think, uh, I think a new tradition. On St. Patrick's Day, let's smoke a little green while wearing some green. What do you think? 
it's it's right there. Who could say no? Okay, that's. I mean, I just drove right into it. Forty foot wall. You know what I love about that, Andy? Uh, St. Patty's Day, as a former bartender, is amateur hour. Uh, I, I've, uh, from being on the other side of the the wood, what you don't want to do is go get hammered at a bar. You have a Guinness, and you go on an alternate adventure that in- includes some White Widow uh, in an appropriate locale. I agree. I think uh, I think a nice oatmeal stout to fortify you as you head off into the probably still pretty cold Canadian climb. Um, God bless. God bless. All right, man. Well, uh, on that note, listener questions or games you'd like us to play, shoot us an email at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. And if you have a snowshoeing, blunt-smoking friend, uh, let him know about our little operation down here and let him know that Dan sent you. If he runs a sweat lodge, bonus points. Uh, make sure bonus. you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.